Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. So I grew up not far from Tulsa, about three hours, and I had never in my life heard of this catastrophic event that had taken place on American soil. And again, we're just here to talk about reconciliation. And this woman looked at me and she just, she's like stone cold. She said, well, to start out with, I have to tell you, I don't have a great feeling towards white people. And that statement was so honest and so pure that it just took my breath away. My curiosity as to why outweighed my offense at the fact that that she feels that way. Like, what did I ever do to you, right? That wasn't the question. The question was, why do you feel that way? Help me understand. Life is a journey, and most of it is spent in the in-between, in the middle places. But every once in a while, you find yourself on the other side of something. These are the stories we are telling here. We believe that stories change the world, and we hope that when you hear stories of lives changed, obstacles overcome, lives broken, lives mended, and hope found, you'll actually see yourself in their stories. Now more than ever, we need each other, and we need each other's stories. This is On the Other Side. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of On the Other Side. I'm one of your hosts, Jamie Ivey. And I'm the other host, Aaron Ivey. Today we have a great show for you. Aaron and David Leverton took a journey in January of 2018. They packed up their three kids into an RV, sold their house, quit their jobs, and journeyed through all 50 states, really with the intention of meeting people, hearing stories, trying to find out what is dividing our country. 50 states in 52 weeks. Sounds like an epic adventure. And they have a documentary called The Reunited States of America. And it's such an interesting journey of what happens when you actually take the opportunity to listen and to learn from people that you might not ever have the opportunity to interact with. Yeah, I don't, we don't want to give too much about away about this because they say some pretty profound mic drop things in this episode. And so here it is, Aaron and David, about their journey around the United States of America. Aaron and David, welcome to On the Other Side. We are so looking forward to hear about this very, like, how would I describe your journey? Very, very epic, very unique, very challenging, very changing. How many more adjectives can I throw in? But you guys, you're here. And I'm so excited. We're so excited to talk to you today. Glad to be here. Well, thanks for having us. So you guys are in Tennessee. So introduce us to yourselves and your family before we jump into the journey you guys took in 2018. 
Okay, take so, it. So, yeah, introducing to us, it's a it's a long story, but you know, we we both were living at the time in Dallas. Just I had spent my professional career in politics and government, and had been a part of kind of what I saw playing out in that 2016 election, and just felt so burdened at what I was seeing becoming in my country. I was seeing people move from maybe some political disagreements and into political violence. And I just really mm-hmm. felt like the fabric of our democracy was tearing before our eyes. And, and one, one night out of the blue in our kitchen, Aaron came to me and go, Hey, if we, if you didn't have a job or a mortgage, you know, what would you want to do? Or no, here's what she said. She said, if you didn't have kids or a mortgage, what would you want to wake up and do in mm-hmm. the morning? And I just yeah. answered her immediately. I said, I want to do something to help bring unity to America. And it mm. just shifted the atmosphere when I spoke it out. It's not something I'd ever thought about before, but it was something that was clearly deep within my spirit and my soul. And she called it out that day. And that began us on a journey of, you know, following our heart, I guess. And what does that actually look like to mm. walk out a dream that really doesn't make a lot of sense? But, you know, we just began dreaming about what would it look like to bring unity, to see unity in America? Why are we not united? And that led us on the journey that ended up, you know, we sold our house and quit our jobs and bought an RV and we moved, moved ourselves and our three little kiddos who were two, four and six onto an RV. Five and six. Two, five, and six. You were I didn't enough. birth them, so I kind of forget sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, it was hard for me. Where did this idea to actually, you know, get get an RV and travel for almost a year? You guys traveled for what thirteen months in an RV together, over fifty mm-hmm. states in fifty-two weeks. Where did that part of the idea come from? Yeah, I'll tell that part. So after that night, when I asked Dave that question, you know, there are those moments when a question pops out and it's like a heaven question. And when you respond, I think when we, when we speak out something that we were actually made for, it shifts the atmosphere around Mm. us. Like immediately things started moving in a different direction. The moment he Mm. spoke those words, it was almost, it was almost scary. And so over the course of the next couple of months, we began to research and pray like, okay, if this is an invitation, what are we supposed to do with it? You know, because I think if you, if you want to look at it from like a biblical perspective, you know, Moses sees a burning bush and he Mm. turned aside, meaning he paid attention. Like he leaned into like this strange thing. And if God has ever done anything strange in your life, I think it's just, it was like, that is the strangest thing anyone could say. It was like a combination of like a beauty pageant answer. And like, I want to ride my bike to the moon. You know, it was like mm. impossible speaking something possible unity in America. That's kind of like mm. an oxymoron. Mm. Right. So we, I mean, at first I kind of laughed at him and then I was like, I think you should lean into that. I think that's from the Lord. So over the next couple of months, we prayed and we talked about like, what could that look like? And we really started to dream about you know, what if we started a nonprofit and what if we began this work kind of as a side yeah. hustle, you know, like on the side when we're, you know, cause who knows if you could make money doing this. And so we started, um, a it nonprofit turns out you can't make money from doing and we were right. I was like, <laughs> but we just had it, something, something was birthed that night mm-hmm. in both our hearts. And so it was really, it was really cool to see, how, as we began to ask the question, what is the root cause of division? 
there was no clear mm. answer. I mean, you can watch documentaries, you can read books, you can listen to speeches and go like binge on YouTube for a, a decade. And what you're going to get is a whole lot of symptoms, but no clear answer. And so we realized, and so I actually did a 40 day fast and went into a time of just prayer of like, you've put this in our hearts. What do you want us to do? And so we decided, well, I woke up on the 40th day of that fast and had this, I mean, it was literally like a picture in my mind of us getting on an RV and going to all 50 states. And I was thinking about the family we knew who had homeschooled their kids. And when they were studying European history, they flew their kids to Europe and rented an RV and learned history, the history of that region by traveling and touching it and breathing it and, you know, five senses. And I, that stuck with me because I remembered thinking, wow, I think that's actually what it mm. means to learn is to actually learn with your senses and not just read yeah. in a book, theoretical yeah. stuff. And, and it really resonated with me and stuck with me. And so <laughs> I, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, you could do that. You could, you could sell your house. You could quit your jobs. You could take your kids on an RV and you could go ask the question from people all over the country and see what they have to say. And there's really no other no other way to find out what people mm. think than to ask. And so it was like 5 a.m. I remember I was like, hey, like waking Dave up, like I have an yeah, idea. Yeah. <laughs> and and he I told him, I said, what if we did this? You know, and and he was like, you're crazy. But I said, how do you expect to bring unity to people you've never met? And so that that kind of I talked myself out of it probably within 24 hours, but God just kept bringing mm. us back to it. It was like, no, this is this is this so, is so good. So we, we did a 90 percent downsize yeah. um, with three kids, and it was wild. And this the second I handed over the keys to our house because we not because we were like paying somebody to house it, but because we sold the thing. That was the the moment of deepest remorse mm. I have ever mm. had in my life. Like I. It felt like dying and it was so, an all in. and thus began the journey. Yeah. Yeah. You were all that in. That is all in. My you know, goodness. someone said, I can't remember if it was, which one of you it was. I watched this, the documentary, the United States of America this week. And someone said, if I can hear your story, I can connect with you as a human being. And I think a lot of times, you know, Dave, you talk about how you were uh, working in politics and you were seeing not just disagreements, but arguments that weren't just like, I say my my point and then we hug it out and, and go to dinner together, but I hate yeah. you now. And so mm-hmm. you're seeing this and I don't know if you felt like all of a sudden I'm a part of the problem, like what's happening. And then you go out and I always say that to understand someone, you have to have proximity to them. It's hard for me to understand someone's life if I've never seen it or lived it or heard about it. And so talk to us about maybe a story or two that you felt I would have never known about this person, this community, this life, if I wouldn't have gotten in an RV and gone and had proximity with that person. I think none of us realize how much of a bubble that we live in. Like to to step outside Mm -hmm. of your bubble takes so much hard work that it's most of us just don't have time to do it. You know, it is the algorithms through social media and through Google and, and each piece of it, it's, it's amazing how insulated we can become our own neighborhoods that we choose to live in the books that we read, the TV shows we watch and such. And, and for us really to, to have our hearts opened and our minds open to someone else's story is really what sets so much of this off is, 
we didn't begin this journey with answers. We began this journey with questions and mm-hmm. just a desire to learn. And, you know, one story I can tell you about was we were on our, about our fifth state or so. So pretty early in the journey. And, you know, it just was hitting us like a ton of bricks that we were seeing out there when we just took that step. And I was talking to an African-American gentleman in Savannah, Georgia. He was 85 years old, a real kind of community leader. And he had lived in Georgia for 85 years. And so you can kind of, you know, take, you know, 2018 minus 85. And so he, he was, he was in there in the deep South during Jim Crow, pre-civil rights, you know, things pre-voting and, you know, many of those type things. And I was talking about this road trip we were on. Hey, you know, we're, we're going across the country, bringing unity and all the great things that we're hoping to do. And I could just kind of hear him rolling his eyes at me on the other end of the phone as we would just cold call people. We'd show up in a state and we'd know nobody. And at some point he just stopped me. He goes, David, you know, if, even if I had time to meet with you, I don't think I would. And I was like, okay. And he goes, it's hard to be reconciled with someone who has a boot on your neck and just left it at that. Hmm. And I just sat there dumbfounded processing. What does that mean? You know, and, and since then I I still process it, but you know, kind of the big takeaways Mm -hmm. from that statement he gave me that just ended the conversation was there are people, this, this guy is a leader. This guy is not someone who just kind of lives on the fringes of society. He's a leader in his community. He wakes up with the experience of having a boot on his neck every single day. And he's not alone. There are millions of our neighbors, of our brothers and sisters who wake up every day in the United States of America with a boot on their neck. And that's not okay. Mm -hmm. If this is a country that's just the land of the free, the home of the brave, liberty and justice for all for some, then it's not liberty and justice for all. And that was a hard thing. And then one of the other things was he kind of helped me point out my naivete of walking up to somebody, just take it in real life. If I walk up to a situation and this gentleman's on the ground and someone else has a boot on their neck and I initially go get down on my knee and talk to the man on the ground and say, Hey man, can't we all just get along and have some unity here? Mm. Maybe we can have a Mm. racial reconciliation breakfast or something like that. And we all kind of get together and share some meals together. And basically what he was saying, like hell I will. Why don't you take the mm-hmm. do something about this boot that's on my neck and then I might be able to breathe so we can have yeah. a conversation. Yeah. And so yeah. I learned real quickly that, you know, there's a role for me to play and a lane for me to be in as a white male. And there's a lane for me not to be in. And mm. it was important for me to kind of going into any sort of a healing or reconciliation type process to to kind of remember that a lot of people who are in these different sides of these conversations are in a state of, of pressure and anxiety and oppression. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that to me was only a visual that I had in my head. And then a year or two later, I'm watching on the internet and I see a man named George Floyd, this being played out like in real time, in real life. And I'm associated right. with the guy who's on top again, not the guy who's on bottom. Mm-hmm. And it just, that, that's changed my life and the way that I look at unity or reconciliation or anything. You know, I was going to, I want to hear Aaron, a story from you as well, but David, you brought up George Floyd and I couldn't help but think about him yeah. in the example yeah. that you gave with the man from Georgia. And, and you guys did this journey in 2018, even though this the documentary is just now um, being released. And so Aaron, I want to come back and hear an example from you, but I also would love to hear from you guys 
how did that 2018 journey set you up for 2020? Because, you know, a lot of people, 2020 was a lot of things happened in our country and there was racial unrest, which we have to always say that this was not the first black man that had been killed by the right. hands of someone in power. This has been right. happening for hundreds of years, but we were in lockdown, pandemic, cameras. It was just all of a sudden everything rose to the top. And so I'm grateful for the conversations, you know, especially Aaron and I, I don't know if you know this, we're raising black children. But how did that journey in 2018 set you guys up to be advocates and allies in 2020? You know, I remember in, in 18, the things that we were talking about, because we really wanted to just invite our brothers and sisters who kind of identify, you know, just our, candidly, our white brothers and sisters and our conservative, our evangelical, just kind of the tribe that we came from. We really wanted to invite them on this journey with mm -hmm. us. And we were trying to share our journey with with anyone we could, and most people could care less. It just mm. wasn't on the radar screen mm. for anybody. People really, you know, mm. most of our, our fellow tribes people, if you will, really were not having this conversation, nor did they want to have the conversation, nor did they right. see there was any problem, which is where I started right. out. I, I, I had never seen really racism in America as a white heterosexual male. It's something that just hadn't affected me a whole lot. And then 2020 comes around and we're really, I think, prepared to have the discussion, but it the, the timing was probably a little different than when we were having it. But it, you know, it was a great mm -hmm. opportunity then at that time where we were, you know, kind of a couple of years into our journey, which is infantile still, to to help just talk with a lot of our friends and neighbors about to kind of to give some mm -hmm. context about was what was going on, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Aaron, what about your that 2018 story that stands out? Well, th thankfully it's it's on Gosh, it's on camera and so if you watch the reunited yeah. states you can i don't know what story she's going to tell but I'll, what i'll tell your listeners is go on amazon prime <laughs> watch the reunited watch states it. and there's a scene in there that changed aaron's life and my life but i'll let her kind of give the audio Come version on. here i can get i can probably guess yeah. but i'll yeah, let you, you go know. Yeah, it, I mean, it was state number one. It was Tulsa, Oklahoma. We had we we had no idea what we were looking for, and that is a great mm. place to be because then you're open for whatever you find, you know. And like Dave said, we were just we had a theory that the root cause of division had something to do with our political mm. system, and basically because really that was Dave's background, politics, and you know his guess was as good as any, you know? So, so when we ended up in Tulsa, that theory got debunked basically on day one, our, our political disagreements are nothing more than a symptom of something that runs so much deeper, so much further back in time than the development of two political parties. And so this revelation came to me in the office of a woman who is one of my heroes now. Her name is Michelle Brown, and she's the director for Greenwood That's Cultural it, yeah. Center. She, she, uh, in Tulsa. she just got visited by President yeah. Biden about three weeks ago during the 100th anniversary yeah. of the Tulsa race. Mass she just there. got some mess. Yeah. Hmm. So I grew up not far from Tulsa, about three hours, and I had never right. in my life heard right. of this catastrophic event that had taken place on American soil when, like, my grandfather mm -hmm. was alive mm -hmm. when this happened. You know, so this, that kind of puts a little bit of context to it. So I'm standing there looking at all of these photographs, learning about this event, which I think has gone much more mainstream since 2018, just with the 100-year yeah. yeah. anniversary. 
some of the, I think it was even in a TV show. They did a, a reenactment of the bombing of North Tulsa, which mm. did happen. And so, so I'm sitting in her office and I'm expecting to hear that story. And again, we were, we were having this awkward conversation as what we call ignorant white people, <laughs> the ignorant white people conversation. Where we're like, well, we're just here to talk about reconciliation. I think that's a little bit of a mm. trigger word. Um, in the same way that like white supremacy or white privilege would be a trigger word on the other end. But reconciliation is a, is a silly thing to talk about sometimes when you're dealing with some things that are not just in our past, but our present day. And so I started, I shared a story for whatever reason, I just felt compelled to tell this woman about the day that we met our daughter, Grace, who was born with Down syndrome and how that day changed my life and made me realize, you know, it, it gave me an invitation into the world of disparity that I was not asking for and that I wanted to understand, you know, on a deeper level, how that disparity spreads itself around across all the differences that we have in society, whether it's skin color, you know, or chromosomes right. or whatever. And sh- this woman looked at me and she just, she's like stone cold. She said, well, to start out with, I have to tell you, I don't have a great feeling towards white people. And that statement was so honest and so pure that it just took my breath away because I was like, I'm going to decide if I want to be offended. Yeah. <laughs> and but the way she said it, you guys, it was like, she was not being, she was not being rude. Mm-hmm. She was being vulnerable. And I, and my curiosity as to why outweighed mm-hmm. my offense at the fact that, that she feels that way. Like, what did I ever do to you? Right. That wasn't the question. The question was, why do you feel that way? Help me understand. And so she launches into the story of the day of when she got raped and impregnated at the age Mm -hmm. of 17, decided to keep her baby and was about 36 weeks along in her pregnancy and had gone from being mortified to being excited to be a mom. And then she went into labor and her dad rushed her to the hospital and the nurses and doctors took one look at her and left her in a room alone and basically left her to labor for like several hours. And it wasn't until, until her baby was crowning that they finally came in to treat her in a modern hospital in America, on American soil, Mm -hmm. an American citizen. I mean, and she's not much older than me. So as she's telling the story, I'm, my mind is flashing to the delivery rooms where I delivered three children, healthy babies, but where there was a medical staff that was basically treating me like I was their own family member. Like the care that I received was like, should be, should be like in some medical, you know, Mm. journal or something. I mean, so, so to compare that, the comparison Mm. was so stark, like surrounded with world, like state of the art technology and they're not using it and her baby dies and the nurses and doctors don't even have the courtesy to say to her, we lost your baby. They say to her, your baby didn't make it as if it's the baby's fault and it's your fault for being here. It's all on you. And she's 17. And so that moment for me, I knew I didn't have to ask. I knew that this is not a one-off story, that this is a system. This is a system 
this is a systemic problem. And then shortly after that encounter with Michelle, the, the New York Times Journal put out a huge expose on birth outcomes for women of color in the United States. And it is mm. a staggering article to read. And so really she, Michelle was a gift from God because she was brave enough to give me what I needed to ask the right question for the next 51 weeks, which was, how did it get this way? Not, is it this way? Is that real? But how, how did it get this way? And that, that's a question that I'm, I'm still, I'm still asking every day because when we open our eyes and begin to look, we begin to see things are not okay. And just because they're okay for me doesn't mean they're okay. And so that is good. good. That is good. I think you said being an American doesn't mean the same for every American. And that's what you learned on that first week, you know, which is crazy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Talk to us a little bit about um, just Jill's journey with even just the phrase uh, Black Lives Matter and how that was shaped, you know, even through this journey and since then. Yeah, I'll tell you that in that encounter with Michelle, I actually saw the words over her, Black Lives Matter, because I had been praying and asking God to help me understand why we Mm. needed to say that. And she said something to me, the very last thing she said was my life and the child, the, the life of my child did not matter as much as the mother and the child in the room next to me. And suddenly it made, it dawned on me, it click, you know, when you're just and it clicks into place and you're like, this is why we need to say this. This is why, because there, there are systems and in, in hearts and minds that do not value some lives as much as others. And so the, the crazy thing about it, though, is that most of the time we don't know what we're mm. believing. What do you mean by that? I, what I mean by that is you can go around believing something here, like that you matter or that someone else matters more than someone else. I mean, and this is this is split second stuff that we decide. And it's what you're thinking. Like you're our biases thinking. that your, we carry? Your biases, your subconscious, it's your, it's not an active thinking Mm. like any one of us. I mean, I thought a racist was someone marching around Charlottesville with a tiki torch. I didn't know that a racist was right Mm. here inside of me. And, but I found out on that trip because God is good and he wants us to know how deeply he wants us to be one. Like that's the prayer that Jesus prayed. 
right? We can't be one if we're believing a lie about human mm-hmm. value. Yeah, that is good. Yeah, and it's not just, you know, as, as we got into it further, it's not just racism that, that, that is, you know, one of the challenges we have in our nation. It's, it's this false belief in a hierarchy of human mm-hmm. value that one human's life can be more valuable than another human's life. We see that from a standpoint of someone with a disability. We see that from the standpoint of educational hierarchies and income-based hierarchies and, you know, just so many things throughout that our systems get set up that show one person's life is more valuable than another person's life. And then we build systems around Mm -hmm. that, that show that, I mean, it just, we think about the labor and delivery room or when William Leverton was born, our youngest, there were 14 medical professionals in the room at that time when he was born. And she was constantly monitored the entire time where if that baby's heart rate Mm -hmm. would have dropped, they would have had her in, 60 seconds, emergency six section, but here's your baby. Have a good day. We love mm-hmm. you guys. What, what are the mindsets that led to that experience with the birth of our youngest to Michelle's mm-hmm. system and her birth experience? You know, it, it, it's, and that, that's the part that just kind of gave me problems. Mm-hmm. So having mm-hmm. tro- how, how do I explain yeah. that? Yeah. Am I more important than her? Am I is my image of God, is my reflection a little clearer than hers is? Do I look more like God? Mm-hmm. Do I reflect his image better than she does? Because if she reflects the image of God, just as I do, her life is infinitely valuable and she is worthy and her baby is worthy of all the care that our baby mm-hmm. received. And it didn't yeah. happen. Right. You know, I have a question for you guys. You both are followers of Jesus and, and believe in everyone creating the image of God. And and we too are on this journey of understanding for the past decade. And so we're here on the journey. And I sometimes ask myself this question that I'm about to ask you. So what is it that when you look back at your family, yourself, your ideas, the things you thought pre-January of 2018, David, what you were just talking about with the, you know, the birth rate, the mortality rate for black women and Aaron, you gave us that article. Why is it that we can sometimes hear these things and go, that must not be true. That can't be right. Mm-hmm. I live in America. I've never seen such a thing happen. You know, you, you, you admittedly, which we would admit as well, I've never experienced racism. Is it even really a thing? So right. what do you, when, when you look back pre-2018 and God's journey that, that he's had you on, what do you think it is that causes us to be able to hear people's stories and then say, that can't really be true because I've never experienced it? Because I love y'all's journey because, you know, you said you're just, you stepped into people's story and it changed your life. So what is it mm-hmm. pre that that prohibited you guys from seeing and hearing and understanding that? I'll say this. One of the things that a, a mentor of mine told me as we were on our journey, I would touch base with her from time to time is I found her and basically her name is Dr. Gail Christopher and she's a very wise woman and She's done a lot of work around racial healing. And, and she said, she talked to me about something called decentering, which is really, I think it's hard work. It's heart work. And it involves decentering yourself and your lived experience from being at the, at the core to being more mm, like a puzzle that's piece. Good. That's yeah. part of a whole. And it's not that your piece is not valuable. It's that it's not right. the center. And that's a little different. <laughs> and so our society and our culture and our history has centered whiteness, 
without us realizing it, we're centered. And so everything in our minds has to run through this filter and this litmus test of whether or not it's Mm. true for us. And in order to break that mindset, we have to decenter whiteness. And a lot of anti-racial work continues to center whiteness through shame and accusation. It, it preaches the same message that created racism in the first place. And so, you know, shame I have found is not the right tool for, to move us forward. No one shamed us mm-hmm. on our journey. People, I mean, and let me tell you guys, like there were so many times when I was like, Jesus had to spit on the mud twice before like the guy could see. And I felt, I felt that I felt like, you know, we need to be patient with each other. We need to be patient with ourselves and with our former selves. We need to stop whiplashing each other for not being woke enough. Like this cancel culture is not helping. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jamie and I hear this often, and I'm sure you guys too um, hear this and know the reality that some people are listening to this and rolling their eyes like, oh, this is just another liberal agenda. Whiteness isn't for real. Racism isn't for real. How do you guys react to that, that kind of common reaction of this is just a liberal thing? We only need to talk about the gospel. We only need to talk about this issue how do you guys respond to that just in in real life and in you know in in a public kind of sphere of reacting to those kinds of questions i think the gospel ultimately carries with it not just word but action our faith without works is dead and if we see beaten and broken on the side of the road it is for us not to give him a track and tell him about the four spiritual laws. It is for us to pick the man up, to carry him to safety, because love has to look like something. Otherwise, it's not love. We can say we love our neighbor, and we can say we love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But if there's no action to that, then we have missed the entire purpose of the Mm -hmm. gospel. And so to me, that's that's kind of would be my response to maybe the the religious or the Christian. And I think from a political standpoint, there is a political nature to this. You know, the, the 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 Republican and Democrat Party really could care less about, for the most part, in my opinion, the good of the country. The, the, our political system is much more focused on victory and power, mm. and they'll pick any issue they can to divide and conquer. Racism is kind of the the thing of today. Right now, you've got the debate in Texas and Tennessee fairly similar over critical race theory and teaching in schools and things like that and a liberal agenda and things like that. It just becomes political. And to me, that cheapens the discussion. Mm -hmm. You know, the the challenges we have are not political. You know, the the politics are, are, yes, they're, they're a problem and things like that. You know, for example, in Tennessee, we've got something like 35% 35% of third graders can't even read at grade level and we're, we're having trouble and we're talking mm, about which books they're yeah. supposed to be reading, right. you know? And, and so it's easy to dismiss things for sure from a political standpoint. And I did that my whole life. I remember hearing about Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. And I was like, well, he was probably up to no good. He probably, you know, somewhere he didn't need to be. And you know what? That kind of stuff happens. You know, the officer, you know, you can see things through your image. And then when you receive the news of what's happening, which I would have been through Fox News and conservative media at that time, 
you know, they're going to be telling the story that Michael Brown had been arrested before or that he had, oh, someone said he had drugs on him or he ran at the officer. You get kind of that version of the story. And we have no idea how influenced we are as Americans, how thoughts that are in our head and the opinions we have are not always our mm-hmm. own. We're highly influenced by the people we spend time around, the books we read, the things we listen to, the things that we watch. And I understand if someone believes it is a, a political thing in a ploy, but to me, it's, a, uh, it's a, an easy cop mm. out to something that is truly realistic. Mm. And, and, that, and that will often tell me if someone will say a comment like that, they, they have very few connections with people outside of their mm. bubble. And, you know, to some degree, that's a safe place to live. It it can be a comfortable place to live. But as we've walked out of that bubble, I've found such Mm -hmm. beauty in the rainbow reflection of God's glory outside of my bubble than I ever felt inside this little safe world I created for myself. And I will Mm -hmm. never go Mm -hmm. back. I wonder just how this has changed both of your politics. How did this journey, what did it change just even in your own political viewpoints? Because I hear you talking and it seems like a lot of what you're saying is I used to think this or when I was listening to this news outlet. So I'm assuming there's been some change politically. What does that look like? You don't have to tell us who you voted for, you know, but we've done that. and We got in all kinds of trouble. So you don't have to do that. Never works out well. Out of all the people in the the film that we're in, Aaron's the only one where they revealed who she voted for. for Oh, well done. You can watch that on, on, on Amazon if you want. But, you know, from a political standpoint, I have just to the, to a large degree lost hope in our political system to carry our country forward and carry our country through this. I do not believe it. I I believe it is so systemically diseased and broken that I don't have a lot of hope there. I'm not going to donate to somebody running for office for the most part. I'll probably vote, but you know, to me, it, it's kind of just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic on, on a lot of these mm. things. I really don't have great hope in our political system to fix itself. But what I do have hope in are the people that we met across the country who are waking up every day and living in their community and doing what they can to make their neighborhood and their community a better Mm. place. And so I think if there's ever going to be any transformation or change in this country, that change is going to have to come to Washington. It's not going to come from Washington. And so I, I just don't look to them for hope anymore. And, you know, a lot of our friends from our former political tribe, you know, like the worst thing that they were thinking was like, oh crap, they've become, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like that's the worst thing that could have happened. And you know what? I mean, I, you know, to assuage their fears, no, I haven't become a Democrat. I just have opened my eyes Mm. to the, the darkness and the brokenness in both of our political parties that both parties would much rather win Mm. and see the country united, where neighbors are helping one another, where we're loving one another, we're caring for it, we're building each other up, because that's not winning politics. Mm. How they operate is tearing people down, destroying each other, slandering people. And, and that is a recipe for destruction mm-hmm. and, and our, our, our nation to be destroyed. Mm. And so, you know, that's one of my concerns is, is will, will, will our political machine win or will the will of the people and the hearts of the people across the country, you know, and, and I don't know, I, I, some days I'm more or less pessimistic. Mm. 
Aaron, now, well, can I? Can we hear Aaron? How what is the, How does your politics change because of this? She was being quiet and she, smirking over there too. You didn't care about <laughs> politics anyway. Smirking that whole time. Well, here's the thing, you guys. I think as as the body of Christ, our affiliation needs to be with the kingdom of heaven. Period. And so, like wherever you lean, and I also don't think we can be summed up in this mm-hmm. binary choice, no. right? Like, are you red? Are you blue? Are you something in between? I mean, we are multifaceted reflections of the image of Yahweh, which is infinite, right? So to to try and whittle each one of us down into these like political parties, I think is is it, it's it's like ask it's the wrong question. Do you know what I mean? Like I think a healthy body of Christ, like a healthy church, is gonna have, I would hope, people who lean extremely left and people who lean extremely right, because I think together what we then create is a concern for different things across society. And so someone once said this, it's not something that I, this is not something I thought of, but I think it's really spot on is that the kingdom, it says the throne of God is established on justice and righteousness. And as far as Dave and I can tell, the Republican party fights for righteousness, like to, like to the, down to the, like, we want, we want the world to be righteous. And then the Democratic Party wants justice. And so what Satan has very wisely done is he has pitted righteousness against justice, which is wild if you think about it. Like we're looking at a world of people who are fighting against each other. And if they came together and Mm. fought together against our common enemy, which is Satan himself, like we could establish the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven, which by the way, is what we've been praying for like thousands of years. So yes, Aaron didn't come up with that. I believe that was David who said uh, in Psalm righteousness and justice are the foundation of your Mm. throne. That's Psalm 89, Mm. 14. And it's a real thing. And, and, you know, but to to me, like, I really don't care anymore if someone's a Republican or Democrat, really Mm -hmm. my litmus test is, are you open hearted or are you closed hearted? Mm -hmm. Because if you have an open heart, man, we can just talk forever. And I want to hear your heart. I want to hear your perspective. If you're completely have a closed heart and closed mind to the world, then it's going to be a challenge to engage in relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad that you don't care because since 2016 a lot of people do care what's happening and sure it's do. been a rough you know four and five years and and i'm not saying we shouldn't to just you know no, just, David, uh, we're with you. i'm not saying people should disengage and things like that because it clearly does matter yeah, policies and, affect know, people who's in and office, people yeah it impacts things or something but that's just it, it's it's maybe it's no longer looking to it for answers or for hope. It's, it's seeing it for what it is and finding the right way to engage in the system. Man, I think I'm really yeah. challenged and inspired by you guys because you're not just like teaching something. You're not just preaching something or yelling something from the sideline, but you actually lived it out. You sold your house. You bought an RV. You did something super uncomfortable by cold calling people all over the country. And that that's really inspiring. And I don't think, I think it'd be easy for listeners to go, well, that's the extreme version of learning and leaning in. Uh, but and it is. It, it, and there's opportunities every single day for all of us to step outside of our comfort zone and listen and learn. And so I'm really inspired by that and challenged by that. And we want to encourage uh, all, all listeners to go watch the United States of America. Amazon Prime, is that that's the best place? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Man, free dollars. Hey, Free I love it. My I love it. Love, love it. Free dollars. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. We appreciate it. Thanks. 
We had a blast. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. You want to go buy an RV with me after this? <laughs> well, we have a camper, a pop-up camper. I don't think we could try that. That <laughs> old busted camper will not make it to two states, much less 50. Would you quit your job and travel for a year? Uh, I would. Depends on the day. Sometimes that sounds fun. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. I mean, I think it'd be fun. Maybe when we're old. You when we're old, we're going to get a camper and we'll we'll pick up our grandkids around the country and take them and show them places. I wonder, how did they get the camper to Hawaii? They said 50 states. Isn't In one Alaska, of the fifty states? That's true. Uh, like across the ocean. Why didn't ocean? we ask them this? Hmm. We're gonna Maybe, have to. You think have they're lying? Part two. It actually was like forty-nine states. I don't know. Forty-eight. They got to Alaska too. You can drive to Alaska. Sure, that's right. You can. You know, I can't remember if I said this on the show or afterwards that when I saw this pitch come through for interviewing them and their and this documented that they are a part of, I was real cautious and skeptical about it because conversations, like David said around topics of, of race and politics, they can be very dividing and, and, and argumentative explosive. and explosive. Mm-hmm. And what we found when watching the documentary and talking to them is that they could not be further away from that. They were actually really lovely to talk to and they're both very, very smart. You know, I think so much of even what they talked about in this short interview, it just comes from like people who lean in and actually listen. And I'm really challenged by that and inspired by that because you don't have to sell everything or go buy an RV just to have eyes open to your neighbor and who's right across the street from you to learn something really profound. That's right. You guys, if you want to watch this documentary, it's called The Reunited States of America. You can find it on Amazon Prime and watch it there. We've seen it. It's worth it. I promise you. Guys, thanks for joining us for another episode of On the Other Side. You can find all the episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe so you get them all. And you can find us on Instagram. It's at On the Other Side Pod. Today's show was mixed and edited by Aaron Campbell. Show notes were written by Abby Castell. Show graphics and videos were made by Rachel Ray. And the show is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Please share this show with a friend if you loved it. It's how most people find out about podcasts. Thank you for listening to On the Other Side with Jamie and Aaron Ike. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.